Windows has new features, Xbox accidentally announces something, and next week, we'll get a few dates. Happy Friday, friends. We are back. We are back. I was on vacation last week. I went out and visited a bunch of national parks out in the whatever, southwest of the United States, Arizona, Utah, that kind of area. I had a wonderful time. It was pretty much off the grid, sort of not even by choice, just the national parks. You're in the middle of nothing and you got no 5Gs on your phones. Either way, uh, I usually say it's like a great Friday, but this is this is probably the worst Friday of the year. I'm not a fan of April Fool's. Uh, well, I do enjoy a good joke and a good laugh, and comedy is one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, April Fool's just always seems to ruin things or announcements or whatever, so if you're listening to this on the Friday, just be listening with a little extra diligence or be surfing the web or whatever just because it's that time of the week, or time of the year, I should say. But there's no fooling on this BS because it's time for the podcast, and let's just dive in. So Microsoft announced the official dates for Build 2022. They will be May 24th through the 26th. This will be, again, a virtual event. They are not doing in-person events yet, and so I'm hoping that maybe Ignite in the fall... But, but I don't even know if that's going to be happening. Uh, or cause, Only because I've seen some digital stuff. Either way, hopefully maybe in the fall we'll start to see some in-person stuff again. Uh, but either way, this is going to be a digital-only event. Should be happening uh, the 24th through the 26th. And that should be, it absolutely will be happening then. And so I'll be looking out for, to see how much Microsoft talks about Windows yet again. Because as we all know, Windows is sort of parking the limelight with Windows 11. And uh, actually, speaking of Windows, next week there is a... A, a hybrid, if you will, uh, Windows 11 event with a focus sort of on enterprise and functionality and features and that sort of stuff. But there's going to be some consumer goodness here. So kicking things off, Microsoft actually said, hey, there's no build of Windows 11 this week. And we all kind of speculate, speculate, and, and I'm fully in this camp, that Microsoft is not shipping a build this week because next week is going to have the new features unlocked, which some of which have leaked. And so we'll be getting a new build next week. Either way, uh, what things, you know, sort of at a high level things that I'm expecting to see, there's going to be some new edge functionality, but we should be seeing tabs and file explorer. That has already leaked in some capacity, thanks to Raphael. Uh, we're going to see a smarter clipboard. Uh, we're also going to see, I believe, the one Outlook experience is sort of the thing that I'm most looking forward to and hope that it does come along. Uh, this is going to be a new mail app integration and experience for Windows. There's also going to be some security and functionality on that front, uh, but I think those are going to be some of the, the bigger features that we are going to see, and so Microsoft should be shipping a build uh, into beta with that. Now, the one big question I still have from this, okay, so Microsoft comes out with features and they ship a, an insider build next week. Is this going to be waiting until ele till 22 H2, I stumbled through that, uh, which is the, the quote-unquote big update that they will be doing once a year, or are they going to ship these features like they did already with uh, a couple other items earlier this year? So we don't know yet, and this is one of the, the sort of ongoing, when is Microsoft going to like draw a line in the sand and say, hey, we're actually doing one update, or are these features coming before then? Maybe we'll find out next week, that's sort of the hope, or maybe we'll find out, hey, they're going to ship these things uh, in the summertime. We don't really know yet. We don't quite know yet. Uh, other things that happened this week is Microsoft rebranded your phone, which I am happy to see they do because I never really liked that name, to Phone Link. That's L-I-N-K. It would have been hilarious if they would have done Phone Link, L-Y-N-C. And for those who don't get that joke, Microsoft before Skype had a, had a service called Link and it was a communication service and it was called 
link. Uh, but either way, this is phone link. And what it does is it's your phone, but now called phone link, which makes a lot more sense because when you're telling somebody like open up your phone, they're like, they open up their phone. But I think phone link is a better name. It also comes with a refresh interface. There's some tabs in there and just kind of spruces up the UI, if you will. Still not a lot of great of uh, cross integration with iOS, despite the fact that companies like Dell can do it better than Microsoft. But either way, uh, some people were joking they should have just called it Android Link because that's effectively kind of what it is. Uh, this week, Microsoft also acquired Minute. Uh, this is a, an, a mining processing company. Basically, really allows you to get into the details for process improvements and analytics. Uh, no word on how much Microsoft paid for that application or that company, I should say. Uh, but yeah, they did snatch that up. Also, Edge Canary now lets you save tab groups as bookmarks. I'm not personally a big bookmark user. I don't I just never really have. I, I do use pin tabs in Edge quite a bit. Uh, I have a couple things for work just permanently saved. Although Edge really likes to, for whatever reason, just forget that I have pin tabs. And so that is just, I don't, I don't know if anybody else ever has that. I have three tabs that I keep pinned, that I want pinned all the time, I should say. And occasionally I'll open up Edge and they'll just, they'll just be gone. They'll just be gone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I want. Uh, either way, those are the big highlights in the world of tech news from the Microsoft side. The gaming side was a bit more interesting for things that sort of weren't announced, but were announced, or, or were at least talked about. First off, the big news of the week, E3 is officially done. Uh, there's no digital event, there is no in-person event, and I fully believe that this is probably just the end of E3 as a, a trade show. Large conferences have really sort of contracted prior to even COVID. Now, you could look at things... Uh, like CES, as an example, really started to shrink. I mean, Microsoft pulled out of CES. A lot of big companies had over the years. These mega, mega, mega trade shows are really starting to contract. And I think this is just a natural evolution of the, the conference experience. And E3 is the latest tragedy, although it is completely going away. Now, the companies that actually get hurt the most out of E3 going away are actually the small players because typically a company like uh, Xbox, PlayStation, EA, these guys don't need E3. They can attract a crowd on their own. But when you're a small vendor, it's nice to be able to go to E3 because those guys are going to bring a lot of gravity to the event and then hopefully you can get some coverage out of it as well. That is typically how trade shows work. CES is exactly the same way. It's the same type of setup. And so E3 going away, it's not all that surprising and they've definitely had struggles over the years. Also, um, it's very expensive. Not It's very expensive to go to a trade show like E3 or even CES to have a booth, to, to ship all that product, to get you know, 10 people sometimes or more going to an event. It's a big expense for a company. And so a lot of these companies are just pulling out and focusing on dedicated local small events rather than these massive conglomerate events. So we will see what happens with the sort of what happens in June, because that was a, a highlight for the gaming industry. Uh, Microsoft clearly can still do their own thing. And, and honestly, they had been doing their own thing um, at E3. While it was at the same time, it was always sort of off on their own sort of stuff. Uh, Sony had not gone to E3 for a couple years, always, again, doing their own thing. And so we will see. Either way, it's the end of an era, and uh, I don't. Th I I would be shocked if we see an E3 like it was uh, again in 
you know, happening through uh, the Los Angeles Convention Center again. Uh, things that were accidentally announced or at least released. Microsoft accidentally pushed a build of Minecraft with ray tracing enabled and then they quickly pulled it back and said, okay, that was actually, we're sorry, we didn't mean to do that. Uh, please, please just like ignore that we did this. This doesn't mean this is happening soon. That's what they actually said. It's like, hey, we, we realized we screwed up and shipped it with these bits enabled. Wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're shipping this soon. So uh, if you got to experience just a little bit, it seemed like the game was crashing quite a bit when you had it enabled. You kind of got to see the future, uh, but either way. Also this week, uh, rumors came out and, and things that I've been hearing as well. So I don't, they're, they're rumors from Jez, uh, you know, sourced it, but I have been hearing this as well. Uh, Xbox Game Pass Family Tier is coming. I, I, he believes it's coming later this year. That is kind of what I had heard. I hadn't heard a specific timeline, uh, but if you have a family household with a bunch of gamers and you need Xbox Game Pass, I believe Ultimate at least is probably the best way to go. Um, there's going to be a family plan coming, but no word on specific shipping date. Also, the Halo TV series is out. I have not watched it yet. I have not watched it yet. So I'm not going to comment on it because I haven't seen it yet. I was on vacation last week when it shipped. Uh, I just finished up F1 Drive to Survive, which was fantastic. Um, and so the next thing on my agenda here is to get into the Halo TV series, although I don't have Paramount Plus, so now I've got to figure out, I know you can get, I believe, 30 days free, and so I might try to time it up so I can watch the whole series, uh, without having to, <laughs> without having to pay for Paramount Plus, but we'll see, uh, I already feel like I'm subscribed to everything, and it's always a little, a little frustrating, so, uh, either way. Um, also, if you have been using the share to Twitter feature from Xbox and Microsoft temporarily said they're taking it away, uh, they are bringing it back. They are bringing it back there and they said, whoopsie daisy, and it is coming it is coming back. So, uh, on to the questions of the week, always, as always, my favorite part. Also, as a very random side note, since I've come back from my vacation, something has happened to this microphone or the PC where the sensitivity got jacked way up. And so, I tried turning the gain down, and it didn't work, and I've got to figure out what changed between me going on vacation. I guess the, the question is never go on vacation because your technology stack just gets ruined. Either way, uh, kicking things off here with the Joe, the Joe Finn. I was going to say the Joe Finn, but it's the Joe Finn. He said, could Teams for Life or whatever it is called be Microsoft's play to move past Outlook and email pane in Teams that would basically remove the need for me to use Outlook? This is a wonderful question and that we should get some clarity next week. Now, the reason why I say this is a wonderful question is that Microsoft has been trying to shove Teams into the consumer world. Obviously, they have a very good grasp on the enterprise world, but team, like consumer communication... It's, it's not working out. It's not working out. Uh, and so his speculation here is like, hey, what if they just you know, just mashed email and Teams into one thing on the Windows PC? And then is that going to force that adoption? First off, that is a very Microsoft thing to do. Uh, force that just like they did with Bing, uh, just like they've done with Cortana. When you used to you do searches on Windows, that used to be a Cortana experience. And so that got that cheap engagement, but it never really panned out um, to any meaning, anything meaningful beyond just like, hey, you know, open paint or something like that. Uh, we will find out next week. I, as Navarrek says, I kind of hope not. I'd rather, as I personally do not use Teams for consumer. Um, it's just, it's not like it. SMS, text message, iMessage is what we use in this house and everybody uses on the planet and trying to get people to jump to a new messaging app. 
it's not easy. And so I, I hope they do not because it's just going to be more noise uh, in, the in the ecosystem. Also, I hope it doesn't ruin their new mail experience because, you know, we'll wait and see. Although I suspect, Joe, you might not be too far from the truth about what Microsoft actually wants to do to bring these apps closer together to try to force that happy integration conversation but um, we will see next week should provide a lot of clarity into that uh, migi says two questions first what do you think about the fact that people are buying or will be buying start 11 to avoid ads so full transparency i run the team that makes start 11 um so I, we when we built start 11 we didn't build it as the ad blocker for windows 11 like that's not what we intended to build we intended to build an application that basically allows you to customize the start menu experience that's what it's always been and the fact that we remove ads from it was just sort of hey i mean you you pay six bucks for it for lifetime and you never see an ad i mean that was just kind of our thing we get we get requests all the time to make start 11 free and then it's like well then we got to shove ads back in it and we're no better than the thing we we're trying to fix um i think it's you know people will buy it for various reasons if you don't want to see ads it's a great way to remove ads from windows 11 which honestly is a terrible thing to be i want people to buy start 11 because we've done some awesome stuff we've done some awesome stuff with ungrouping and everything else i don't want people to buy it because they have to use it as an ad block because microsoft is just shoving that stuff everywhere but you know that i can't control what ads microsoft does and doesn't put in windows uh he goes on to say i think it's a shame because they have a very competitive os i do agree and mac os doesn't do this um mac os does do it a little bit but it's more internal services and so i mean they bundle things like apple like you can get apple music and, and other uh pushes like that i mean i get them on my my iphone too so don't think that apple is some saint i mean i get push notifications was like sign up for three months free of apple music um all the not all the time but probably once a quarter i would say the second question which i had to splice in because my condensate pump uh kicked on which is really annoying uh he says my other question is do you think xbox will have some vr headset on the future maybe a third party one so this is an interesting limit let's back up here for a second because microsoft actually has really good data about do people want vr headsets they have mixed reality headsets for windows pcs and they know exactly how well or not well those things are selling and i don't think they have a huge attach rate i mean look at a company like hp who has shipped a couple of these things and they do occasionally refresh their headsets uh, but it's not like laptops where they're shipping a new one every quarter or every six months or something like that it's few and far between in comparison so microsoft already knows how people are the, the rough attach rate of a, a vr headset now on the console side totally different story it could be we all see what sony is doing on that end here's my here's kind of where my head is at with this stuff when you want to put in a vr headset onto a title let's just you pick your favorite title battlefield 2042 can't get anywhere so let's give it vr um it takes time to integrate that. It's not something you just slap on through an SDK or an API call or something at the end of development. Like it takes years and it has to be included along the journey of development. Now, we all know how modern software is developed and how leaks occur. My gut tells me that if Microsoft was truly going to be building in VR headset support, we would be hearing leaks from quite a few different places, from companies like EA, from Xbox itself, from other third parties who are trying to integrate this stuff into their game so that when the VR headset ships, it's actually available. So um, I don't I don't personally think, because I don't think we've seen enough tea leaves to say that Microsoft is actually going to do this. Also, I think Microsoft's a bit jaded with what happened with Kinect because they didn't get good third-party development support for Kinect, and we all know the story about that. And so I, I personally don't think we will see one. Not saying it won't. That's more of just me looking at what's happening within the own Xbox uh, market. And so... Um, 
maybe a third party one, but again, you're going to have to get the content, which makes it difficult. And so what, and so what's a, what's a good price point for that? Uh, 200 bucks, 200 bucks for a VR headset, 199. I mean, you're basically in the same price, roughly the same price as an Xbox series S. So then you've got to double the cost. So, uh, we'll see, maybe if they can get it down to a hundred bucks, but then what's the experience like, and uh, you're going up against like Oculus quest and those sort of things. And so I think there's a lot of factors working against Microsoft actually trying to do that. Uh, Mr. PKI comes in, says coming in, says, can you give us a rating and a TV show review of the new halo series? First, your initial rating and your weekly rating as they come out. So, uh, Mr. PKI, you can't hear the podcast before I record it, but I haven't watched it yet. I'll probably maybe try to tackle that this weekend. So maybe starting next week, I can do it. And he says, since you have been on vacation, do you think Microsoft was going to eventually turn off and block, uh, people who are running windows 11 on machines that are not compatible uh, in, not in compliance with processor and TPM. This is an interesting question too, because remember when Windows 11 was released, Microsoft said, hey, you can run it as long as you're in the Windows Insider program. Now there's been a lot of talk that Microsoft might eventually turn that program off. I don't... <laughs> I don't have a good gut reaction to should they or shouldn't they turn it off because let's let's play out you know devil's advocate here should they turn it off well maybe they should because these devices aren't designed to run Windows 11 and they created additional liability for Microsoft of a place that may not truly run Windows 11 as designed so they're going to get bad feedback or potentially bad marketplace reaction from somebody who's running a third generation Intel processor. On the other side, these are enthusiasts who want to run your software. And granted, they're gonna be in the insider program testing new features, and Microsoft likely has a good indication internally whether or not they truly would ever actually break these things. So I don't think it really matters because it's such a small population. I think that at this point, because they initially allowed these people to run Windows 11, they would get a lot of negative blowback in the press just because they say, look, you used to be able to do this, now Microsoft's cutting you off. Good luck, go buy new hardware. It doesn't really fit right. Uh, Steadmeister says, with the possibility of a family tier coming to Game Pass, what do you see happening to Xbox Live Gold? Okay, so here is my speculation with what I believe is going to happen with Xbox Live Gold and is rooted in some foundation. First off, there's two things at play here. One, Microsoft, actually there's three things. Xbox Live Gold makes money for Microsoft. They charge roughly $10 a month. I know you can get it cheaper typically, but whatever. They're charging a monthly fee. It's a software subscription. It is how Microsoft wants to be judged on revenue for the Xbox unit. They can't, they, they do not want to just say, okay, Xbox Live is free and lose that. That is crazy. That will not be happening. Um, I would be shocked if it happened. Now, we all know Microsoft wants people into Game Pass. Now, Game Pass is typically more money than Xbox Live Gold. And so here is what I think is going to happen. We Microsoft is on the cusp of buying Activision for 60 upper 60 billion, 67 something billion dollars, something like that. Now, it's going to take them until next June to get to there. Here is what I think is going to happen. When that acquisition closes, at some point Microsoft will say, "Look, Game Pass is way better value these days. It's way better value." Everybody has to be paying for Game Pass. The Xbox Live is going away. Xbox Live Gold is going away. But instead, what you were going to get is uh, for $14.99 a month, that is the entry level where Xbox Live Gold and a, and a tier of Game Pass of some sort. Basically, what I'm trying to say here poorly is that Microsoft will raise the price of Game Pass from $10 a month to $14, something like that, and they'll get and they'll force everybody to be paying that so that everybody has Game Pass. That is how I think Microsoft will navigate this and get rid of gold. Well, technically, they could make a little bit less money, but right now, basically, that pushes everyone into what we know today as Xbox Live Gold 
or Xbox Live, or <laughs> Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, basically becomes the new entry-level tier of just Xbox Game Pass, and then after that, then there'll be a new one, probably $19.99 a month for Ultimate, and then there'll be a Family Pass on top of that, and I think that's how Microsoft na- eventually navigates this, is, you know, to, to sum that up, gold goes away, but $14.99 becomes the new monthly payment price, and it includes Game Pass and gold, effectively meaning uh, Ultimate is the new entry-level uh, thing once they close that acquisition because they can justify and be like, look, you get all these Call of Duty titles, you get everything else, you're saving money on an annualized basis. So, uh, uh, Harry writes in, let's talk reoccurring revenue streams. One of my favorite things. Can you foresee a day when car makers implement advertising in their cars? The screens are all over the cars, the infotainment screens and the backseat passengers and everything else. Uh, that's an interesting thing. So it's not quite implementing advertising, but companies, including Tesla, have already included ways for you to buy features that are already included in hardware. Uh, BMW, I think, pioneered this. And said, look, like if you want Android Auto or whatever, like just pay us 200 bucks and you'll unlock the feature that's already hardware enabled. Uh, to, to crap on Tesla because they did it too. Although Tesla's a slightly different with the SR Plus, which was the previous, I don't even know if they still sell it anymore for the Model 3. Uh, basically, they neutered a bunch of it to get that price point lower. And then you could buy the unlock for the heated seats for the rear. Like they, the hardware was all there, it was just software lock. And so they did it as well. I think that's probably more the future. Car companies already have subscription service. My wife's car, which is a Ford you can pay a subscription for what they're for not their infotainment system but the mobile app to be able to remote start your car and so these companies have already started exploring this we haven't seen true ads yet but ads would be dicey because um, i think there's more regulatory potential concerns about when you would see an ad would be very dicey if it's going to happen it's going to happen on those very entry level cars first and it had to be something like why the car isn't parked i don't know um, and they better reduce the price of the car if they're going to be shoving that stuff down my face. But I, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, Useman says, hey, Brad, there's a report rumor that the PC hardware scene uh, in the PC hardware scene that the Steam Deck APU was initially designed for a surface product but never made it to market. I have not heard this and that would be a little crazy in some capacity to me because typically if, if somebody's doing a custom APU, it's very much designed for a specific piece of hardware. Microsoft probably would have paid for that, uh, even if they didn't ship the hardware. And so to give it to Steam doesn't quite sit well, not to mention the Steam Deck had been in development for a bit. So potentially maybe, if anything, they were developed in tandem because they were running uh, mobile devices with screens or something like that. Um, but I have not heard that, and I can I know some people I can maybe ask to see if there's any truth to that. But uh, we will see. He said, would this have just been a laptop pro refresh with that APU or were we going to be working on a gaming handheld? I really, I really don't think Microsoft is going to get into the gaming handheld space. I, I really don't. First off, they, if they are, they already have a thing. This is the first gen duo. I mean, the duo would be a perfect thing. But more importantly, they invested so heavily in bringing Xbox cloud gaming to iOS and Android. That is the, that is the Microsoft handheld at the end of the day. If the Steam Deck somehow becomes wildly successful, which I don't expect it to do, it'll definitely sell to a niche market. But I don't think... Um, I, I don't think... I don't think Microsoft is going to be building a dedicated Xbox handheld. I really don't. 
Uh, Chris H says, hey, Brad, what are your thoughts on where Microsoft should go next with HoloLens? Should they focus on the corporate industry or scrap it? They should not scrap it. They should not scrap it uh, because HoloLens is a really neat thing. I definitely think the corporate market, they're investing heavily to build out that military uh, use case as well. And so I don't think it's going to come to the consumer for some time, not until it becomes a really entry level price point uh, and the features that has to be phenomenal. And so I think they're going to continue to focus on corporate uh, because candidly, that is where Microsoft does exceptionally well with things like Azure and Windows and everything else on the corporate side. They do much better than the consumer side. So I think they're going to continue to focus there. I do not think they will give up on HoloLens. That would be crazy, mostly because most of us believe, and I'm in this camp included, that you know, in the horizon, in the future, uh, headsets or sunglass-like experiences are going to be a thing. And Microsoft has a technology in the works. And so they've been burned a couple times where they had things ahead of time, like, uh, like uh, tablet OS experiences, to name one, um, that were ahead of the market. And then they just kind of gave up on it. And then they got killed by a competitor down the road. And so I don't think Microsoft will... will ever truly abandon HoloLens, but I think it will be a slow iterative process rather than like say smartphones, which kind of just exploded onto the scene. And wrapping up the week is Matt Dynas. He says, with the Windows event next week and the news this week that there is no build to test, I assume that the build next week will be the first real look at Windows 11 22H2, assuming it is 22H2. Once again, they're shipping features without any time uh, to incorporate community feedback. Is it clear that pa this is the Panos is way? Uh, that's a good question. Now, keep in mind that Panos is part of the Sanofsky era and it's, he's very much follows that mindset. Also, uh, I forgot to write, talk about earlier, but Michael Fortin, uh, retired, uh, from Microsoft, big name inside the world of Microsoft. I think he was there 25 plus years, uh, in a, in somebody who previously worked for Sanofsky, I believe is taking over part of his responsibilities or something like that. I haven't quite fully mapped out the whole org tree shift yet, but, uh, keep in mind that Panos kind of not grew up, but came up in the world of Microsoft where it's like, Hey, uh, and I know he's, we all know he's a big fan of Apple. It's like, Hey, you tell the, the customer like what they need rather than them telling you, because that means we've all heard that quote before either way. Um, so just keep in mind that Panos comes from that lineage inside the world of Microsoft. And then Matt Dynas goes on to say, the only question then is, will we see a solid follow-up like Windows 7 to Windows was to Windows Vista? Or are we once again on a path out of sync with reality? I don't think we're going to see a Vista. A Vista, what most people forget about Vistas is that it was the underpinnings that got scrapped halfway through. It was just, it was a tragedy from engineering, uh, you know, back-end engineering and, and, and front-end feature delivery and so like those two things were truly out of sync inside the world of Microsoft until they just basically started over. Uh, I don't think we will see something like Vista type calamity. I do believe Microsoft will ship Windows 12. I also believe that they've potentially either mapped out how they will bring that to market eventually um, because they have seen how good a refresh like Windows 11 can do. But I think we are much more in the iterative process rather than tear down internal structures and components and rebuild them like we have seen with things like Vista. I think we're very much going to see uh, just a, an iterative process going forward for Windows rather than um, these, these big overhauling changes because Microsoft has tried multiple times. You had, you had Vista changes. You had that one core um, road dog that they chased down and a several other times with the compartmentalization has never just truly worked out in a way that meaningfully justified the engineering effort. Now, granted, on the security side, there were definitely in, improvements and maybe that's their justification. But from a financial perspective and a market share growth perspective, it didn't really pan out to anything meaningful, aka they couldn't crack into mobile by trying to slim down or modernize Windows uh, at the end of the day.
So there you go, guys. Uh, what a, what an interesting set of questions this week. Really on my toes. Love that kind of stuff. Uh, love that you guys are listening. Love it to the people who made it to the end. So uh, anyways, should be back next week. Hopefully you had a wonderful week and didn't get fooled by the April 1st shenanigans. And as always, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me. <laughs>